Hi, I'm Brenda Burns, and this is the Vienna Assembly of God Sermons Podcast. Thank you for listening. It's an honor to share this time with you. Learn more about the ministries of Vienna Assembly of God at ViennaAG.com. Please leave your comments and reviews on the platform where you're listening. And now for today's message. So we're going to talk about some nonsense here a little bit. And I was thinking about, you know, it's a little risky. To, by titles, a little risky. And it's like, am I going to embarrass myself with this, with getting out there like that? Kind of like at, at a wedding, uh, you know, now the dance floor is open and, and everybody's just looking at each other and uh, don't want to be the first one to get out there. Are, are you going to embarrass yourself if you do? I, I might feel a little bit like that. It might be a little bit of nonsense, but we're going to go in here and hear what the Word of God has to say And what did he talk about when the word nonsense came up? So we're going to look at the scripture to take us into this message. We're going to read Luke's account of the resurrection. And and then a little bit about what the Apostle Paul had to say. So beginning in Luke chapter 23, verses 55 and 56. As his body was taken away, the women from Galilee followed and saw the tomb where his body was placed. Then they went home and prepared spices and ointments to anoint his body. But by the time they were finished, the Sabbath had begun, so they rested as required by the law. And it flows into chapter 24. I'm going to read verses 1 through 12. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. And then just a few verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth. 
Verse 1, let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message. I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Father, I pray for your anointing to be here. I pray for your presence and peace and love to prepare our hearts to receive what you have to say to us today. That this day would be a day that the good seed of the word of God bears much fruit. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I don't find myself in a cemetery very often. There is a lovely one right here in Vienna that I walk by frequently, but I don't walk in. There's a no trespassing sign, and I just always feel awkward to go up into the cemetery, but I walk by it. But this week, I accompanied Craig to a graveside service that he was leading for a friend whose mother passed away recently. So the weather was sunny, the sky was blue, it was starting to warm up, and the the blue sky, the serene, grassy fields, it would all work together as we were, the people were gathering. It just made it a pleasant moment as we were entering the cemetery. Cemeteries are sacred spaces and often include lots of symbols of our faith. You'll see crosses or crucifix emblems, um, gardens that are named for different scriptural concepts or references. Why are these symbols part of the culture of a graveyard? I think some people have gotten it backwards. They think that the faith of the cross is only associated with the dead. And that they don't want to be around church or religious expression because they're too busy living, thank you very much. <laughs> when in fact, we need to understand that the truth of the resurrection is what makes us alive. And why people have put it in the cemetery is because they believe this is not the end, but there is life to come. My social feed yesterday had many sad posts, deaths of family members, and even of beloved pets. And this is a reality that I want to give some space to today. Maybe you are not feeling all the good vibes this morning. But instead, you're dealing with grief or confusion, or loneliness, or depression. And I hope you can feel seen by Jesus today. 
He understands like nobody else. So we are not going to load you down with a lot of shoulds about how to feel today. (laughs) Just know that you are loved, and because of the good news, we hold on even through the difficult feelings. Amen? But back to these social posts. Um, I mean, someone had died in a car accident. There was a family pet that had succumbed to old age. There were people marking the anniversaries of other deaths. Um, But the post referenced heaven, a belief in a better place, a comfort, a solace that the loved one is still alive in a new reality. What gives people this hope? It is only through the resurrection of Jesus Christ that such nonsense could even be considered. (laughs) Now, you may have been told the good news, but just like the apostles at first, it sounded like nonsense to you. And you didn't believe it. Well, you're in good company. (laughs) Because the apostles didn't either. The doubts and the concerns that you may experience have been a part of the telling of the good news since day one. So, we're going to look a little closer at this telling of the story. Now, for one thing, it is hard to ignore the gender dynamics in Luke's telling of that Sunday morning. I don't know if you picked that up while I was reading, but the women prepared the spices. The women ventured out as early as possible following the Sabbath day rest to go to the tomb. The men did not. In other accounts, we are told that the apostles were afraid and hiding. Well, you know what? That's probably a really sensible thing. After seeing your master go through a rigged trial, brutalized and murdered on a cross. Nevertheless, the women were willing to venture out and be identified with Christ in his death. The four gospel narratives differ in some of the specifics of this Sunday morning visit to the tomb. Which women went? Uh, How many angels appeared? Those kinds of details. Scholars have noted that these divergences actually bolster the veracity of the narratives as detailing eyewitness accounts. Those that work in the judicial system will tell you that it is normal if you've got five eyewitnesses to a single event to get five different details. (laughs) They, They may not all see it the same way. But here's the thing. I don't want these divergences in the Gospels to distract you from the main point. Jesus' tomb was found empty. 
no more body in the grave. And then Jesus himself appeared to the apostles in bodily form. This bedrock fact has been the good news since day one. But what makes day one so unusual in the telling of the good news is that God chose to make the women the first tellers. Some doubters have suggested that this whole story about Jesus and his death and his burial and his resurrection, it was just made up. And that it is some elaborate ploy to deceive people by claiming that Jesus rose from the dead. But that theory just does not hold water, most especially because of this point about the women. The culture of Jesus' day treated the testimony of women as unreliable, not to be believed. Women were disregarded, distrusted, and dismissed when it came to getting the story right. And yet, in all four Gospels, it is the women who first learn of Christ's resurrection, who first see the risen Lord, and who first proclaim the glorious good news that Christ is risen from the dead. Anyone trying to dupe the masses would not have written the women into the story. But friends, God wrote the women into the story from day one. <laughs> Don't you think God had agency in determining who would discover that Christ was risen? The resurrected Jesus walked through walls appeared in various places, and disappeared in an instant. He could have chosen to appear anywhere. He could have appeared to the apostles first. He could have appeared to Pilate or to Herod or to the soldiers who gambled away his clothes. He could have walked into the Roman garrison and appeared to the soldiers that had beaten him to a pulp just three days earlier. But Jesus appeared to the women. In Matthew's reading, telling of the story, we read this, Matthew 28, the women ran quickly from the tomb. They were frightened, but also filled with great joy, and they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. Well, it took the brothers a while to believe the report. In Luke, we read that they thought, it was nonsense. So was it just the fact that it was the women telling it? Like if a guy had walked in and told him the same story, would they have believed it? 
Or was it just the whole thing was just too fantastical, too much nonsense? There's probably a little bit of both in there because if you'll remember, there was a guy named Thomas in the group and he didn't remember, he didn't believe the uh, men either. We live in a different time. But some of the gender and power dynamics are still around. That is true. But let's look deeper at this point. Because as the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, we must continue to believe the message of the good news. Scholars note that that letter to the church at Corinth was written very early in the life of the early church actually even before the Gospels were written. And it was well established by this time what the essence of the good news is. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. The disciples didn't believe the women. What type of person would you find it hard to believe, difficult to take seriously when they share the good news. The disciples were locked away out of fear for the authorities. What kind of disappointment or fear or disillusionment, or tragedy makes you stay locked behind doors of doubt and makes you dismiss the good news. Do you proudly dismiss the story of Jesus as nonsense? Do you ridicule the joy and wonder of believers in Jesus? Paul affirms that the preaching of the cross sounds like nonsense. Earlier in that same letter, he writes this, since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. Belief, faith, accepting the plan of God, even though it does not compute according to human wisdom. This is how we are saved. This has been God's gift, God's grace, God's mercy, God's power, God's love, God's plan from day one. The apostles all came to believe the good news. Jesus himself appeared to them just as he promised, and they all became proclaimers of the good news, and they all followed Jesus even in a martyr's death with the hope of the resurrection and life in the kingdom of God. From day one, those who hear the good news 
have the honor and the responsibility to respond. Friends, today, choosing to do nothing is a choice. If the story of Jesus is just so much nonsense, then there's not much required of those who hear the story. But if the story of Jesus is the plan of God from day one to redeem humanity from the clutches of sin and death, then the hearer has a choice to make. Jesus taught us the right way to live. And if he is God's son, crucified, buried, and raised from the dead, then we must choose to live the way of Jesus. Jesus modeled for us patterns of love. And if his story is true, we have to repent and turn from darkness and come to light. Jesus invited us to come and take his yoke, for his burden is easy. To come and drink from the fountain of living water and thirst no more. To come and have the faith of a little child. And if that kind of talk is not just a bunch of nonsense, but is in fact the truth of the kingdom of God, we need to give up the reins of control and begin shouldering a new way of working through this life. Jesus commissioned us to proclaim the good news, to share all that we have received from him. And friends, if the women were telling the truth, on that first resurrection day. We need to stop our nonsense and get to work doing what Jesus has called us to do. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help everyone hearing my voice right now to choose your nonsense. It's so fantastical. The foolishness of the preaching of the cross just does not compute in our human wisdom, but by faith we believe. And we know that Jesus Christ, your son, died, was buried, has risen from the dead. And you have redeemed us with a mighty hand. I pray that you will help us to believe. I said that everyone that hears this has a choice today and that doing nothing is a choice. If you're hearing me and you have not said yes to Jesus as Lord, today is a great day to do that. 
I want to invite you to pray along with us this prayer of saying yes to Jesus, of believing in him. Would everyone that's in the room follow me in this prayer so that if there's one that wants to do it, they would not feel alone in doing it. Dear Jesus, I say yes to you. I believe the story. You are the Son of God. You died to save me, but you're alive. You rose from the grave, and you will come again, and I will live with you forever. Amen. This is what it's all about, my friends. Easter is the story of Jesus. And it does sound like nonsense until we receive it by faith. And so I pray that we're able to go out in faith today knowing that our Savior lives. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. I'm going to send you out with a blessing. Once more, Christ is risen. risen You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Let us go in the name of the Lord. If you enjoyed today's message, why not share it with a friend? I invite you to subscribe at Apple Podcast and our YouTube channel. We'd love to hear your feedback and comments. So glad that you were with us today. Look forward to seeing you next week. At Vienna Assembly of God, we love God, others, and life. And we're leading our community in a growing relationship with God.